Good evening and welcome to our Maundy Thursday reflective service. We join together in our living rooms, dining rooms and our studies. It doesn't matter that we're not in church, as today we remember Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. We join now to begin a solemn journey of three days that have changed the world and our own lives. As we go through this service, there will be pauses. Allow yourself to be open to God's presence. Do not adjust your computers. The pause is meant to be there. Followers of Jesus have been taking this journey since his first followers took it long ago. This is the night of love. On the night, Jesus took a towel and basin and washed his disciples' feet. On this night, he told them to do the same for others, to show their love for him and for one another. This is the night of love. On this night, Jesus broke bread and shared wine with his followers for the last time and invited them to remember him, to encounter him anew whenever they did the same. This is the night of love. This is the night of love. And so on this night, we welcome the lost. We welcome the weary. We welcome the searching. We are all here, still learning. Let us join together in hearing and obeying the commandment of our Lord and to feast at his table, that we may love one another as he has loved us.
verse 23 and verse 31b to 35. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath, it's only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Good evening, everyone. Picture the scene. Jesus sharing a meal with his disciples. And although they maybe didn't realise at the time the historical significance 
of this particular Passover, afterwards they would look back and make the connections. The breaking of bread, the sharing of wine, the servanthood lived out prophetically by Jesus as he washed their feet. And in verse 23, we're told that the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. We're not told the name of this disciple, who's mentioned again by John as being at the foot of the cross and at the resurrection scene. We can surmise it's not Peter, as he's mentioned alongside this reference. Most commentators say it's John himself, but actually we don't exactly know who he is, only that Jesus loved him. As I thought about this passage, the question surfaced in my mind. What does it mean for us today, looking back, imagining the scene in the upper room 2,000 years ago? Could we be described as a disciple loved by Jesus? Of course, we can't earn the love of God. Jesus did all that was necessary to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father, as we are reminded over the next few days as we move through Good Friday and Easter Saturday and then to Easter Sunday. As our reading tells us, Jesus looked over the group gathered that evening and the Bible tells us that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And John reminds us again in the next chapter that Jesus' death and resurrection are the doorway for us to be called children of God. I am the way, the truth and the life, says John 14 in verse 6. So... This is a remembrance of events that were bathed in the love of Jesus for his disciples. I wonder how much that love was reciprocated. Of course, I suspect if we'd been there and had asked each of those present that day, they would have responded with a resounding yes, of course we love him. But it's only one unnamed disciple who's picked out in this account with the description in verse 23, the disciple whom Jesus loved. For years, I've wondered about that little phrase, which occurs several times in John's Gospel. Could it be that Jesus had a favourite disciple? Surely not. No, here we have, I believe, a description of the reality of that disciple's understanding of love. He knew the depth of Jesus' love for him. He had begun to understand what that depth of love was going to mean, where it was going to lead, and what would be the consequences for his own life of the love that Jesus had for him. Here was a disciple who lived his life with and in a deep awareness of the love of Jesus. Do you remember the children's chorus? Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. With the repeated chorus of, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. When we sing, Jesus loves me, 
we are speaking truth. And the Bible is peppered with reminders that we are loved. 1 John 4.19 tells us we love because he first loved us. And in John 13.34, it says a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And if you have a spare moment or two, which I guess some of us probably do have at the moment, you might like to look through the Bible for other passages. So what about us? Could we use that same phrase of ourselves? Are we a disciple whom Jesus loves? Of course we are. The Bible tells us so. We are loved. We don't have to earn it. Bishop Sarah reminded us of that when she came at the beginning of March. Remember the love heart she gave out? But do we really know deep within ourselves that we are loved? Can we really echo those words? I am a disciple whom Jesus loves. Can we share the intimacy and vulnerability of the Last Supper and of Jesus washing our feet? secure in the knowledge that he loves us. We're coming to the end of Lent and some of us have been taking part in a retreat in daily life. Of course, when we started this retreat to create space in our day-to-day lives was a very different commitment to the situation we find ourselves in now as we draw the retreat to a close. I don't think any of us could have foreseen the huge shift in pattern our daily lives and that of our church would take. And each of us will have had uniquely personal reasons for taking this retreat, perhaps to spend more time intentionally in prayer and reflection before God, to undertake an internal journey in the company of the Holy Spirit, to seek fresh direction or have a calling confirmed. Some will have emerged from this time of retreat with a sense of completeness, of questions answered and doubts laid to rest. But for others, questions will remain and the end of this particular journey will seem foggy and unresolved. If that's you, then I encourage you to trust in the continuing work of the Holy Spirit within you. Because as Philippians 1 verse 6 says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And even though as a country we remain in lockdown and we'll probably be socially distancing for some weeks yet, if you would like to, we are still able to arrange for someone to listen and pray with you using the marvels of modern technology. But know this, whether we feel it or not, whether our retreat was a time of struggle and storm or of calm waters, we are disciples that Jesus loves. And as we complete the journey of our retreat, another journey begins. When we started the retreat, we all assumed, I guess, that we would step back into normal life. Now, we face a new normal. Now, most of the Western world is in an enforced retreat. Life that was so familiar just a few weeks ago 
is but a receding memory. Looking back to what seems so certain and reliable, we now have the opportunity to evaluate what sort of society we had become and to ask what, as we journey through this time of enforced retreat, what kind of society do we want to emerge into? That so many are answering the call to so selflessly give of themselves gives us hope that radical change is possible. And for us, as God's people, as Bishop Michael reminded us this morning, we are having to learn new ways of being church. We are discovering what is really important in our lives. It's a time of re-evaluation and change for so many of us. And here, in our passage, Jesus is perhaps showing us his pathway to radical change. He kneels and washes his disciples' feet. In love he serves. He takes the place of a servant, knowing that he will lay down his life not only for these disciples, but for all of humankind. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 1, says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Maybe this is the next stage of our journey as individuals and as a church community to live out these verses from Philippians in our daily lives and to pray that as our society adjusts and reshapes after its enforced retreat, we might discover as a country the miraculous truth in these verses and walk a different path. In this picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, I wonder is there another hint to understand why this particular disciple was described as one whom Jesus loved? Verse 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did this disciple shine with love, reflect the love he experienced from Jesus to those around his, him, was for him the fact that he was loved a settled matter, no ifs, no buts, and it's a settled matter for us as well. We are loved by God and we are called by him to love others. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ursula. We come now to our Agape Feast, 
which is a way of breaking bread together, as Jesus did with people in all sorts of settings. If you have bread and wine with you, we will eat and drink this together at the end of this piece of liturgy. We have bread and wine, gifts of this good earth, enough for all, if we can share. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all the many blessings in our lives and ask that you would bless us now as we share your good gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. Loving God, you provide enough for everyone. This earth is fertile, fruitful and abundant. But we are sometimes greedy, wasteful and selfish. Many go hungry despite our plenty. Many are left outside while we enjoy a feast. But on the hillside, in the wilderness, with 5,000 and more hungry people, Jesus took the bread that they had, broke it and gave thanks to you. He shared the bread so that no one should be left out and they all ate and were satisfied. Blessed be God forever. Hurting God, you hurt with our pains. You weep with our tears when you see how we struggle and suffer. You long for our peace, yet we so often make war. You long for our healing and wholeness, yet we so often turn away from you. But at a wedding in Cana, when the wine ran out, Jesus asked them to fill the empty jars with water. And by your grace, water became wine. Sadness was turned to joy and all were able to share in the best wine of all. Blessed be God forever. Dreaming God, you long for us to dream your dream of a world at peace, a people made one, a feast for all, where bread is broken and shared with companions on the road, where wine is blessed and shared with all who are hurting, and all are caught up together in the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I invite you now to take your bread. We eat our bread together, bread for the world to share. I invite you to take your wine now. We drink our wine together, the best wine saved till now. A prayer of thanksgiving. Gracious God, we thank you for your abundant love in creation, your compassionate healing touch in our hurting, your inspiration for our venturing. Thank you for bread and wine to share. Give us grace to follow in the footsteps of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And a blessing. God who longs for our healing, meet us in our hurting with your compassion as Jesus who stands with us, touch us in our brokenness that we may be made whole. Spirit who anoints us with power, 
Fill us with your grace that we may reach out to others and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen.